Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. Seeing across from me, looking dapper in his big old beard again, is my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RR, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a dang sponsor, Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing awesome beers in downtown Great Falls with the second tap room over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny? It's national championship week, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I couldn't be more excited. Well, how about this? It's also the Big Sky <laughs> Breakdown. Coulter Duanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. Happy to have these guys on and happy to be on with them. It's a little co-promotional podcast. We have done this a couple of times with a couple of these Big Sky uh, Podcast Network guys. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And uh, this is a big deal no matter what. If you have any affiliation with the state of Montana or Montana State, MSU playing in the big in, in the uh, in the big game in the FCS national championship. This is huge. This is awesome for everybody from around the Treasure State or anybody that's connected to it. And uh, I've been listening to you guys all year long. I know you've been listening to me either on ESPN Radio or on this podcast. So uh, really happy to be with you. And uh, this should be a lot of fun. So I got to start this out by asking both of you guys because I've covered Montana State now. This is my eleventh season and. Um, it, it's given me a huge base for everything that I've built in my career. I've loved covering Montana State. Sports Information Director Bill Lamberty at MSU is definitely one of the closest people I have in my life. I love that guy. Uh, we awesome. talk all the time, and he's, he's helped me out so much. And just the moment after the game a couple Saturdays ago, I don't know if you guys were there or not, but in Bozeman, it was such a spectacular afternoon, and that accomplishment was so it was so chilling because of all of the different things that I know we're going to get into uh, in this podcast. But I mean, I take great pride in, in having objectivity and not a lot of emotional connection to this stuff yet at, standing on the field of Bobcat stadium on December 18th, 2021 was absolutely a day. I'll never forget in my life as a football fan and as a journalist and all of it, I, it was, it was a surreal moment in time. And I know you guys like live and breathe this stuff, man. I mean, this is the, this is the Bobcat fan <laughs> podcast. So you guys must just be over the moon. How are you guys feeling right now? I don't uh, know, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't think anything's right? fully set in. Like some days I'm like, holy heck, we're going to the national championship. And there are times like, ah, you know, it's just a, it's a football game we got going here. I don't know. I'm all over the place in reality. And I don't, I don't know if it's fully, fully hit me yet that I'm getting on an airplane in four days. I'm flying down to Texas to watch like the, the moment you live for as a fan. Like not everyone ever gets to see their team in any sport ever compete for national championship or, or uh, the world title, whatever, any, in any sport, you're, you're lucky you get to do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon at the moment. That's for sure. Like right now, hearing you talk about that here I am, I'm up. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll parlay on a little bit about that. Like one of the things I was wondering is kind of what culture was talking about. It's just like, man, we weren't there. We were going to go there, but the travel just became kind of a, a hairy situation. And then we were going to put all of our eggs into going to the national championship, <laughs> whether we were, uh, w whether we won that game or not. Um, but for me, like I remember uh, being misty eyed on, 
on that Saturday, I had to look out the window. My wife's like, what are you doing? Are you over there? Are you crying? And I was like, no, I'm not crying. <laughs> no. So it hit me hard. And then over the past, like, oh gosh, two weeks, you know, the, the lull uh, of just fandom, because I know about, I don't know about you, Coulter, but I think for Ryan and I, we were like just craving kind of some sort of content, right? I mean, and Ryan and I are kind of content producers for this and uh but uh just mums the word around bobcat nation for at least for us we're not well connected as far as like uh you know people giving us information but uh i was sitting there yesterday and it just hit me i was like holy cow we're going to the national championship so it kind of goes in waves for me but uh yeah i'm all over the place too <laughs> well it's, i mean it's just a, it's an incredible moment in time and in my in my uh feature that i wrote after the game i mean that that was what i led with was that there was so many people that were just so euphoric and ecstatic, you know, the students and, and all of the, the really young generation of Bobcat people, you know, the, the, the fans that, that hadn't had really any relation to any of the, the suffering that Montana State fans had to go through for so long. And, and it was never because the Cats were so bad. In fact, it was because the Cats were so close for so long. And that was what was so crazy to watch and observe their program. But I wrote that in my story, like, for the, for the people of, of a certain age, I mean, mid-30s and above, I saw as many grown men that were either completely dumbstruck or crying as I saw, you know, enthusiastic mm-hmm. students and, and young people doing it. So I saw your guys' both of your reactions on full display on, on the field of Bobcat Stadium. And it, it was just uh, it was just a real moment, man. It, it, was, it was, And I was thinking that same thing. You know, I, I appreciate you guys. I know Foley reached out and asked that you could use some of the screenshots from the the press conference, but that, I mean, that was, you know, you guys did have that great Instagram post and the Twitter post that said, you know, the, the passing of the guard, the changing of the guard. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I was sitting there thinking that as we were booking our tickets to, to Texas, I know we're going to get into our travel stories and then all that here in a little while. But uh, when Tommy Willott and Troy Anderson were standing in the corner of the room, waiting for Brent Vegan to get down with his press conference, and then they took a seat next to each other. Uh, I mean, I don't care if you're Bobby Howe for the Grizz, man. Like, if it doesn't even matter if you're the biggest Grizz of all time or anybody, if you don't feel a certain sense of pride and emotion looking at that and, like, also see how cool that is and how much that represents, like, the state of Montana and its essence and why people love Montana and why Montanans have so much pride in being from here. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable, man. It was, it was spectacular. And so I'm, I'm glad you guys got to experience it. And I'm also so stoked for you guys. You get to go to Frisco. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like that's the pride that you have being from Montana, and you know we haven't been in Montana for years now, but like it never leaves you. It all it's always there. So just seeing those those two kids, those two Montana kids, just sitting next to each other, kind of like almost just giddy like school kids right there, just just warms my heart. Oh, and I like I said to Tori Anderson when I talked to him last week, I, yeah, and he agreed with me full force. What's Montana's best export? Like besides our, our, our outdoor activities and our picturesque, you know, postcard like towns that people live in, besides that, it's football. And and that's the other thing that makes this so cool is that not only is Montana State now going to represent the Treasure State, first team from Montana since two thousand nine to go to the national championship, but they're also doing it in such an on brand fashion, right? You got the Oshucks freshman quarterback from Butte and the stud senior from Dillon. And it's, it's just like this perfect story. I know we're going to get into that too, but I seriously think it's one of the greatest stories in the history of Montana sports. And I think that everybody that's observed it is, is lucky to be along for the ride. Thorny, 
As we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man Scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man Scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because I did want to ask you about that because when you guys put up that post-game presser and I'm sitting there watching Troy Anderson and, and Tommy Malott, uh, just the feelings I got just watching that that post-game press conference, just watching those two, I, I, I understood it in the moment and it hit me right away. I was like, this is the passing of the guard. And you could see Troy Anderson's body language. He's sitting there fidgeting with his tape and his fingers. And then you got the young Tommy Mallott, who doesn't look like he has a whisker on his face <laughs> to yeah, this day. Sure, man. And he's just, he's sitting there straight up, you know, he, uh, uh you know, straight. Perfect posture. And he's just, uh, yeah, perfect posture. He's got the, the stoned face. And man, what a moment. It just, uh, I mean, for fans, what a cool moment just to see that, uh, to just appreciate Troy Anderson. And then, um, you know, what a moment for Tommy Malat too. And obviously after the semifinal game, what it was just absolutely cool. Hey, let's talk about what's in our golden coolies. We haven't talked about that yet. Guess go first. Sorry, what's in yours, buddy? No, let's, let's not the guess go first. I think that's good etiquette. Okay. Yeah. Coulter, what are you drinking tonight, buddy? I have a uh, single shot of Espelon tequila, which I will take here momentarily. <laughs> and I am also drinking a. Uh, well, so I was in four. I've learned this the other the other week. I, I uh, I've lived thirty four and a half years now on the earth, and I didn't realize there was a difference between tall boys and tall girls in terms of canned beer. I always thought that huh. anything that wasn't a twelve ounce beer was just a tall boy. But I was informed that a tall boy is actually a twenty four ounce in, in the beer lexicon, and a tall girl is a sixteen ounce. So I guess some people call these pounders as well. I learned all sorts of stuff. Sure, that's not Uh, Brooks trying to pull your leg there. (laughs) That's exactly right. Maybe he's just screwing with me. Regardless, I have a 16-ounce can of PBR, so I'm not quite as uh, as sophisticated as you men with your craft beer tastes. Hey, I think last week I had a high life and fully had a Rainier, so. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's money in the bank. (laughs) All right, Tony. I'll take it. I got uh, what's called Bubble Stash from Hop Valley, and it's Hop Valley. I can't remember where they're from, but uh, I get them at the local. Yeah, there you go. I get them at the, they have a stand over here at the Spokane Indians ball game. And that's where I know them from. So I picked up a six pack this week. It's pretty good stuff. Very nice. Well, I have two methods of beer that I drink on here. I either like the beer or I pick it for the name to speak to me about what I want the Bobcast to do. So that this is the latter there. I got uh, everybody's brewing, which is in white salmon, Washington, Stir it nice. up, hazy IPA, because the Bobcats need to stir it up. We're gonna we're gonna crash this party. 
it's over from North Dakota State, so we're going to stir it up. It is a hazy IPA, and you know what? It's it's fine. <laughs> it's a hazy IPA. <laughs> You're not an IPA guy. Don't love IPAs, so you know that I'm doing this for the Bobcats. That's you know, I'm just a team player like that. All right, all right, cool. Oh, love it. Hey. <laughs> So let's start this uh, narrative off. I want to go back and talk a little bit about the the cause and effect relationship of the Cat Grizz. And obviously it was a galvanizing win for the Grizzlies that set them off to the postseason. But uh, looking back, I think we probably could say it was a galvanizing loss for the Cats. Um, just kind of wanted, I know you've talked about it on your show and we most of our listeners listen to your show, but I just kind of want to see how like, Specifically, how do you think that loss affected the Cats to kind of where they're going today? Oh, man. So many different ways. Um, I think that that, I think that, that game, uh, that, that Montana win, will be, will be a moment in time. It will be like a, a roadmark that we look back on for a long time for both programs, just depending on what happens from this Saturday and then forward. And because, you know, I think that, for both sides of the rivalry, because the streak was so um, impactful and omnipresent and, uh, and so galvanizing to the, to the rise of the Grizz and, and so detrimental to the roadblock that existed for the Bobcats, because of that, there's been such a high priority put on the rivalry game when it comes to continuity and coaching staffs. And, um, you know, th- that game, regardless of co- what a coach says, it's a point blank fact that it matters more than every other game. Not because I think that not because you guys think that, but because the employment of the coaches depends upon it. And, you know, it's like I've said on my Nuanas now radio show, which by the way, people want to listen, they can stream it. Uh, one Oh two ninety ESPN.com where you got the podcast on, on all your podcast hosting platforms. But uh, like I always say on that, uh, on my show, what does every coach since Sonny Holland retired in 1997 in Montana State history, with the exception of Jeff Choate, have in common. They all got fired. And that's a crazy <laughs> thing to say when you're talking about Sonny Lubick, who has a stadium named after him in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Dave Arnold, who won a national championship, and Earl Salmonson, who won multiple national championships at North Dakota State, and Cliff Heisel, who had more close calls than not close calls against the Grizzlies and had a winning record almost every year, but could never get in the playoffs could never get over the top against Montana. Mike Kramer obviously fired for different reasons, but you have to think that so much of the stuff in the program was motivated by the initial first push to end the streak and beat the Grizz. Rob Ash, more wins than anybody in school history, more playoff appearances. The only guy in the last 50 years to win three straight big sky titles that didn't coach a Montana or Eastern Washington and he gets fired because he's two and seven against the Grizz. And so there's been this like omnipresent priority on winning the rivalry game. And it's so, I think, over accentuated. And I truly think that the fact that, and I'm not, I, and I, there are two different conversations that we had here too, right? Like Rob Ash not beating the Grizz was only part of the demise of Rob Ash. We could do a whole podcast series on that. And just the way that complacency can influence the future of a football program. I'd listen, but, but a hundred percent, but, but all I'm saying is that repetitive coaching changes, especially if it's because of the result of one singular game, which, Oh, by the way, happens to be the most hyped and pressure filled game that your team's going to play all year under the biggest spotlight that matters the most to the people that follow your teams. 
it's detrimental to make coaching changes with that being the number one thing that causes the coaching change. And I, I think that that happened at Montana with Bob Stig getting fired. And again, I'm not saying that I don't think the schools shouldn't have made moves away from both Rob Ash and Bob Stig. I actually think that both of those were justifiable decisions. And I think both the programs are much better off from it since those happened. But I do think there's an over-prioritization on that game. That said, I think that Bobby Houck and his situation at Montana with the administration that's there and the way he was hired and the booster influence that was behind the way that Coach Alk was hired, uh, plus his past that included so much success on the field and so many problems off the field, all those things. I think that Bobby Houck is basically operating under an unimpeachable tenure in Montana right now. I don't think that there's a scenario in which Bobby Houck is on the hot seat or could ever get fired, except if he lost repetitively to the Cats. That's seriously it. And I really think that Bobby Houck not was coaching for his job in that game. I don't think that. But I do think that if they would have lost to the Cats again and it would have been a full five years since they'd beaten the Cats and a full five matchups in a row, uh, I think that the conversation would be started for sure. And that's the, how crazy the, the rivalry is. So that said, when Brent Vegan was hired, I thought the first thought I had was that Jeff Choate has this spectacular place in the minds of Bobcat faithful and justifiably. So he preached his vision. So amazing. Uh, he helped fulfill that vision in a lot of ways, but more than anything, he has four legendary wins in the rivalry game. And, you know, in reality, Choate was a, a 500 coach at Montana state, but he went four and zero against the Grizz, which got him so much reverence. And I remember when Brent Vegan got hired and I thought to myself, that's a great hire. I think that, uh, his background, his experience at NDSU, and um, some of the differences he has, both in personality, coaching style, and, and mentality from Choate, will be a good thing for this group of guys. And then I also thought to myself, Vegan is certainly the guy that could get the Cats over the top to the national championship. And then I also thought to myself, I wonder if that guy will ever beat the Grizz. And that's the dichotomy that we live in right now with this rivalry. You know, I think that there's all sorts of different future scenarios we could get into, but I think there's a real scenario in which Brent Deegan wins multiple national championships at, Mont at Montana State and never beats Bobby Houck. And I, I know that's a hyperbolous thing I just said. I don't actually, you can't never make that sort of prediction at this moment in time, but I'm mostly just like almost making fun of the narrative of how important this game has become in people's minds. Um, and now for the first time, at least in my 16 years covering the big sky, my 11 years covering Montana State, we really do have the, the hypothetical question that's been asked by both fan bases in this rivalry for years. Would you rather win the rivalry game or win the national championship? We are now one game away from that for Montana State. And so I, I'm just so fascinated to see how this plays out because this will be podcast and talk radio fodder forever. If Montana, Either way it is, but if Montana State pulls this thing out and they have a national championship run, when getting whipped by the Grizz in Missoula, it's going to make that question is going to linger for all time. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. This is the first time that a team has ever even made it to the national championship after losing Cat Grizz, right? 
This is the first time that the loser of the brawl has advanced farther than the winner of the brawl since 2003. Wow. And yes, and yes, to answer your question, this is the first time that a loser of the Cats sure. game has advanced to the national championship. Yes, because the Grizz, all seven of their appearances, they beat the Cats. It's such a crazy game in terms of the importance how in the playoff implication because it's like you know it's it most likely it's always going to be a top ten matchup or top fifteen or it should be like that's what it always should be. Like uh, we, we were talking about on our podcast, like if the Cats lose this game in like October, the Cats are probably still like a three or four seed. We lose so that game in the last game of the this. season. We went all the way down to the eighth seed from a potential. People are talking about the Cats as a number one seed if they win Cat Grays, and all of a sudden we're all the way to eighth with one loss on the road to a top six program. Right. I, let, me, let me float this to you. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know you guys have a lot to get to. And this, this is something you can fall all the way down the rabbit hole. But I, this is my other thought when I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks of, of this barren wasteland, like you guys have said, with no content. And, uh, what if they moved the Cackers game to the first weekend of November and there was still two to three regular season games after it? I'm a fan. Because yeah. it, it would have Let's it would have it. much less it would have much less of an impact on the national seeding. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it would still be a big deal. It probably wouldn't be the same Montana's Super Bowl, like you know, this ultimate end of the season event, but I mean, you it, let's either way, let's let's say that the exact game that happened happens but then the cats get to go win three in a row going to the playoffs then they still probably play their way back all the way into the top four yeah so so the the saturday happened in missoula we all watched it uh ryan and i podcasted that uh the worst podcast ever that yeah the, all Which right. i believe was also our 100th episode <laughs> worst 100th episode of all oh time <laughs> all right <laughs> But See, this, is why, this, is why fan, this is why fan podcasts are great, though, because the Grizz fan pod guys said that their post-Cat Grizz podcast was the best podcast they've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time we've done this right, where we lost so. one. So we, we had to do <laughs> right? that. No, no kidding. I think that was the same sentiment from them as the first time they've done yeah. it when they won one, right? <laughs> That's kind of funny how that works out. So then the, the second question to um, talk about then is, like, how did losing that propel the Cats to – make changes obviously we know about um matt mckay and um and that coming out the week after but like to me when i see the cats play post cat grizz game there's something distinctly di- different is it all just tommy malat i just don't know well i think it's an empowerment of the entire locker room i mean so as i mentioned this is my 11th season covering the cats and um, I, I was going to be hard pressed to, to find a group of guys that, that made that like I had a, a better collective relationship with, as well as, uh, more long lasting relationships with than the first group of cats that I covered. Like when I first moved to Bozeman in 2010 to work at the Chronicle. Mm-hmm. And then I first launched Bobcat beat and I was doing the Montana state magazine with, with Felix Marquez, that group of guys, you know, Cody Kirk, I mean, he grew up with my brother, Tanner Bleskin played against my brother his whole life. Like, Denarius McGee, Shane Robinson, Mike Ryder, Mike Person, all those dudes. Th- that was the first team I covered. And those guys were big sky champs each of the three years. And we had great relationships. But also at that moment in time, I was of a similar age as them. You know, I was only a couple of years older than them. I'd only been out of college for two or three years. And so then a lot of those guys like Shane Robinson stuck, stuck around in Bozeman. And he became one of my good friends. We played Cindy hoops. We played in golf league together, played slow pitch softball. All this, all that stuff. 
so I, you know, th- those guys were special to me because they were successful and because they were kind of the first group I covered, but also because they were my peers. And then they, then they became my friend, Mikey Ryder's other guy. Like he, we became good friends after he graduated and, and he helped me become friends with Bobby Daly and all those things have played so much into the, the success of, of my career. But this group is, is going to be hard to beat ever because these guys, you know, they came in with Choate and they endured all the things that have happened over the last five or six years. And, you know, I covered them from, I mean, they're, they're the first group of the skyline sports era that we covered from, recruiting stories when they committed to now senior profiles and for guys like Lewis kid like that, it took six years for that to come to fruition. Right. Like I remember sitting in the airport with Ty Okada's parents, like five or six years ago when he was first thinking about coming to Montana state. So we know these guys so, so well. And uh, so, I mean, that that's where this group is just so special because of that. Right. Like these guys, but then they also just have, that's what I'm saying is like, I know these guys so well because I've talked to them so many times. And so to answer the question, it's not just Tommy Malat, it's the galvanization of the locker room. Like I could tell that there was some resentment. Resentment is not the right word. That's too harsh. But there was not this collective sense of belief in the leadership or lack thereof of Matt McKay. Mm -hmm. And I I think that, I think that there, no one on the team was playing with the edge and swagger that is the, the the top potential of what they could when Matt McKay was the quarterback. And you could see just how frustrated Troy Anderson was at the postgame press conference in Cat Grizz when he was sitting next to Matt McKay. And I think Matt McKay got – I mean, if you're the starting quarterback for a top-five team, you're going to get a lot of shine. doesn't matter if you play well, okay, or bad. Everybody in the media wants to talk to the quarterback after every game. Like that's the for sure in the postgame press conference, right? You're getting the head coach, the quarterback, and then whatever three other players you can think of. And so you get a lot of shine for it. And I think that Matt McKay was getting a lot of shine for being pretty average, pretty mediocre. But more than anything, I don't think he was galvanizing any of his teammates in any sort of leadership fashion. And I'm not trying to pile on the kid. I know that uh, he's been going through some personal stuff. I mean, he's, he was out at Montana state from Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, he's the only dude I think in the history of MSU football from North Carolina to earn a letter. So, you know, I mean, he's a long ways from home. He's almost 3000 miles from home. So, you know, and you never know anybody's personal situation, whatever. That's not what I'm getting into. All I'm saying is that knowing these guys, as well as I do talking to each one of them, the guys that are the old guys that are the leaders of this team, Lewis kid, Taylor, Tuiasa Sopo, Troy Anderson, Ty Okada, Daniel Hardy, Amandre Williams, Every single one of those guys, to a man, when you ask them about Tommy Malott, they light up. The fact that he was training like a position player for almost full two years during this COVID shutdown, now all of a sudden, like, this dude is earning the respect of Ty Okada. Like, this dude can squat as much as Callahan O'Reilly. I mean, that's like, I'm just using that as, that's not an actual fact. I don't know that, actually. So I think Kellen O'Reilly's pretty strong, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like sure. Tommy Watt was, yeah. he was lifting like he was lifting like a safety, and he was playing special teams. He's doing all these things. So then when he slips into quarterback, and you already have this defensive-minded team with all these senior leaders, most of whom either play defense or on the offensive line, and you add this toughness element to it, and then oh by the way, this kid from the Mining City catches lightning in a bottle harder than any player I've ever seen in my career covering sports. And boom, here we are. And we have this magical run all the national championships. So that's a long-winded way of saying, though, like it isn't just Matt McKay and Tommy Malott. It's the whole fabric of the whole team. 
but it makes sense when you really break down like why this dynamic happened and why the cats just took off into the stratosphere. And I really think no matter what happens to the Brent Vegan's career at Montana state, that decision to have those onions to bench your starting quarterback who just went nine and two and go with a straight true freshman who is your fifth string quarterback in the spring. That is one of the craziest and most like one of the most admirable coaching decisions I've ever seen in my career covering the Big Sky Conference. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. This is a question uh, that I've been wanting to ask, and I don't hurt. Don't think I've heard too many people talk about. Obviously, it's worked out. Tommy Lott was a great choice, but why didn't the Bobcats go with Tucker Rovick? Oh man! Well, I, mean, I think it's been <laughs> man. How do we say this gently? Because I, I do think that uh, first, I guess before I go into the bluntness of the way I'm going to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, if you were to if you were to rank your top ten David Letterman style factors of of the Montana State going to the national championship, I would say one of those ten factors is Tucker Rovig, his leadership and his selflessness. Like, make no mistake, Brent Vegan and Taylor House right are the quote unquote quarterbacks coaches. Tucker Rovig's the quarterbacks coach. Like, Vegan's doing head coaches stuff on the sidelines, and House writes up in the box calling plays. The dude who's talking to Tommy Malat on the sidelines and coaching him is Tucker Rovick. The dude who, who's given the plays in into the huddle is Tucker Rovick. So, like, he deserves all the credit in the world. Like, they honestly should just put him on salary. Like, they should just pay him because sure. he is a straight – I mean, he's straight up the quarterback's coach. And so I think I, he deserves a ton of credit for that. But also, like, for what Jeff Choate wanted, which is he just wanted a quarterback who could – call the play and do an effective cadence and be a good leader on and off the field from a personality standpoint, Tucker Rovig was perfect from a quarterback standpoint. I mean, it's not, it's not a coincidence or a mistake that Tucker Rovig was like basically the fourth string quarterback in the spring. And, and if you were really being real about it, he was the fifth string because he was never going to actually stay ahead of him a lot, but he was definitely behind McKay and Casey Bauman and, and Blake Thielen and probably on par with, with, uh, tell me a lot. So, you know, it, again, Rovig came to play for a coach that thought he was the perfect guy for their system. And he went to the semifinals of the playoffs and he won 12 or 13. I mean, how about this? I'm pretty sure Tucker Rovig won as many games as the starter as Dakota Prukop and Dakota Prukop's a pro and a big sky legend. So, you know, Tucker Rovig has nothing to hang his head about. I think he's had a phenomenal career. And I actually think he's one of the MVPs of this Bobcat team. But quite frankly, they didn't go with Tucker Rovick because Tucker Rovick was never even in the consideration of being good enough to play for Brandy. It's kind of crazy. A guy who was in the semifinals, like you would think that'd be an obvious choice if you're all of a sudden uh, needing a quarterback. I know that that didn't happen that way, that McKay didn't transfer, and then we had to find a quarterback. I know that's not how it worked. It's just kind of crazy that he wasn't even in the mix for a guy who had playoff experience, which is a rare thing, but they just believed in Tommy Mallott that much, so... Kudos. Uh, it's a big, it's a big decision. And, uh, you know, I give Brent Vegan and staff a lot of uh, credit for making that decision. Absolutely. Hey, Coulter, I was just going to wonder 
Uh, do you think that decision to, uh, like you said, the the Onions decision to go to Malat, you think that, uh, did that uh, do anything for Coach Vegan? Do you think the players trust him more? It's been such a hard thing to put our uh, finger on. Ryan and I talk about it all the time. It was like, well, what's the relationship oh, with the team and, and Coach Vegan? Because it was really obvious with Coach Choate. Uh, d- did that like galvanize the team behind Coach Vegan? Man, oh, where where do I even start with that? Um, I think I'll start with by saying that that uh, I've learned so much secondarily from Brent Vegan this year, and I've also then, from a second degree, because of what I've learned secondarily from Brent Vegan, learned so much about North Dakota State and their success over the last 10 to 12 years. And um, because there's such an arms race in Montana and because Bobcat and Grizz football are such a big deal and they really are one of the biggest exports of the state of Montana and all of that, among the most, if not the most famous men in the state of Montana are the head football coaches. And so then when you get a dude like Choate, who's like this extra worldly personality and he's teaching you this he's teaching football 400 every Monday while he's giving you his speech, but he's also like this unbelievable inspirer in the locker room and all that sort of stuff. You almost get drunk on the fact that like he, I I guess that's the best way to say he is intoxicating. I think that's why he appeals to young people and players and, and guys of our age demographic and older people too. And, and I I think that Choate, his enthusiasm and the way he sold everything was, was so epic. But uh, I, I've also learned so much from vegan about how being deliberate and not being volatile and not being crazy and, and, you know, being tempered and disciplined and steady and, and, you know, having patience and all these things. I mean, they're great virtues to espouse in your life. And, you know, I, I don't think that Vegan won over the locker room right away. And I and I think he knew that, and I think he expected that. And I think he also had the incredible um, foresight and patience to know that it would come. And I think that he's taken it incrementally. It wasn't like it has to be by this date. It has to be by this date. It has to be by this date. But now, they're not even a year into his formula and they've gone farther than any team has in the last four decades. And so I think that in itself wins it over. You know, like I, I, I've been, uh, I said this on my, on my radio show today, Monday, if, if you're listening, Monday, the 3rd of January. Um, and we're working on this, this profile on Troy Anderson. And I've honestly been collecting quotes and doing research and, and, and all the stuff since uh, the summer of 2017. And I've never pulled the trigger on actually sitting down to write it. I think when I do, it'll, it'll just be probably a start to finish two hours of just remembering this unforgettable guy. But, uh, one of the quotes in there is a teaser spoiler alert for later. But, uh, one of the quotes in there is, is from Jeff Choate. And he says, make no mistake about it. The 2021 season for Bobcat football does not happen unless Troy Anderson makes it happen. And it's not about him switching positions or learning to play in the middle of the defense or quarterbacking the defense or being the big sky conference defensive player of the year, or maybe even being the Buck Buchanan award winner 
or being the biggest freak that Montana State's seen or or any of that. It's not, it's not playing both sides of the ball. It's none of that stuff. Troy Anderson brought this whole thing together, and he didn't let anybody leave. Nobody transferred. I mean, that's the irony of the whole thing. Jeff Cho, I did the numbers. Jeff Cho averaged 28 guys leaving the program in the offseason. Every offseason, he was Montana State's head football coach. Nine dudes left when Cho left and Vegan took over. Nine. There were some other roster decisions to fill, uh, you know, make room for transfers that were, you know, from the coaching staff's perspective. But in terms of dudes leaving the program, four times less than when Choate was there left. But that has nothing to do with Vegan. Or that has nothing to do with anything besides Troy Anderson. And so, you know, that's, he, you know, as much as we could ever say about him, that's what makes him so special is, is the fact that he can get everybody, including grown men who are, college football coaches to follow him. And that's, I mean, that's like the biggest compliment you give the kid, but I mean, yeah, I guess to answer your question, like vegan has done a tremendous job of, of biding his time to win it over. And now all the decisions he's made are coming to a fruition. And I think it, everybody's all in and everybody knows the formula fully works, but you can't understate the fact that, that this whole thing happened because of Troy as well. Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now, Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. It does seem sometimes like vegan is playing like, you know, 40 chess or playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers, I guess you could say. Like he just always has like a vision for the future. He seems really intelligent when he's talking. Like he's not like he's holding back. Like he just knows things that you don't. And that clearly was his formula. Like, all right, we're going to do this. You guys might not like it. When we're in Frisco, you're going to like it. And that's kind of, kind of seemed to be how it kind of played out. And, uh, I kind of want to shift a little bit towards that playoff push that well, the Cats. Can, can, can I, can yeah, I go ahead. just two quick two quick points there? One, uh, because Vegan is so tempered and really non, uh, he's not inflammatory. He's not really that. I always think he's not. He's not charismatic because he is charismatic because he's an excellent speaker. Um, but you know what I mean. Like he, he's distinctly different than Choate. But no I, I will say two. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, but I will say this though, like watching the the pre and post game stuff of him in the locker room uh, that they post on Instagram and stuff that Garrett Becker and those guys do. Uh, Vegan's got an edge. Like when, what Vegan says to the media is very calm and cool and collected, whatever. But like when he's doing his pregame and his postgame, like he's bunny, man. Like he's, he is a very good coach. You can definitely tell that. No, you could definitely, I love the videos that they put out. Cause it definitely shows a side of it. You don't see. Cause yeah, you just watch the press conferences and like, all right, it's just a, just a coach speak there. But He's yeah. pretty. He gets pretty raw, raw. He gets some guys' faces. He gets fired up. That one where uh, it pans over at the semifinal game after the uh, the hook and ladder, like the second hook and ladder in a yeah. row by North, uh, South Dakota State or whatever, and he's just fired up and he's like he's like yelling like get down, get down after he recovers the fumble. Like that's that's what you like to see. Like that makes me happy as a fan to realize there is that side of him because you worry about that. Like is he just kind of vanilla all over the place? But no, he's definitely got that fiery. Fiery edge, right, sure. right. Well, one one other point. I have to make a jab at Bobcat fans, but you guys are all scared 
of coaches being vanilla and non raw raw because that was Rob Ash's biggest weakness. But there's a definitive way to win football games, <laughs> yeah. even if you aren't Jeff Jones. It's true. But one one, one last quick story uh, on this note. Uh, this struck me when it happened in in person, and uh, it's resonated with me throughout the rest of this football season as well. Uh, when when J- when Brent Vegan did his, I guess it was his second press conference. Uh, it was after he'd gotten hired, uh, and it was oh I, I don't know. It was it was a press conference some months ago, and I asked him a question. Uh, it was a fitting question for the timing, if this makes sense. I asked him, you know, you worked for Coach Bull, Craig Bull. Uh, from 2003 all the way until last year, you know, 16 years, what'd you learn from him about being a head coach? And Brent Vegan said, he, he sort of chuckled in, in his typical North Dakota Brent Vegan way. <laughs> and, and then he said, he said, the number one thing I learned from Coach Bull is that a program is bigger than you and you never make the program about any one individual, especially yourself. And, uh, I thought at the same time that was, uh, if you want to take it like this, that was a veiled shot at both Jeff Schoed and Brent Vegan, or Jeff Schoed and Bobby Houck, excuse me. <laughs> uh, but more, more importantly, though, and Freddie Banks echoed this too, and Freddie Banks has those same NDSU roots. You know, when I first interviewed him, he said, "Hey, you know, th- this place is haunted by ghosts. Like, there's championship banners hanging from the rafters dating back to 1963, which is 27 years before Freddie Banks was even born." You know, like he said, we're just a part of this story. Our responsibility is just to carry on the tradition of Sonny Holland and Jim Sweeney and, and the great coaches that came before. And, you know, I mean, there's there's 18 Big Sky Conference banners hanging for Bobcat football. You know, they got three national championships. No one is creating the winning culture of Montana State. You're either trying to reattain it or, or maintaining it. That's it. And uh, that's something that comes from NDSU. And so – you know, that's just the other point I would make is that I think Vegan has understood so much that uh, leading prestigious and prominent and important programs like Montana State, that opportunity is finite, but the, the program and all of that lives forever. So how exactly, and let's just shift back to some, uh, um, I guess, on the field stuff here. How did the Bobcats, I mean, UT Martin's one thing. I think we could have beat UT Martin probably with Matt McKay, with anybody at the quarterback. How did the Cats go down to Huntsville and take out the number one seed? And how did the how did they come back to Bozeman and take out South Dakota State, who was a team that I thought was going to give the Cats a lot of trouble? How, do, how have the Cats been able just to sustain this this high level of play so far that we just hadn't seen? Is it like like we talked about? Is this all Tommy Mlot or what? Or do they change some schemes around? Like what's going on here? What do you mean that you hadn't seen? They were the number three team in the country before they got beat by Montana. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. We, we had been slipping at that point. I guess you could say like, we struggled to beat because Idaho State one, and Idaho because of because of one thing, though, right? <laughs> Is it all Matt McKay Montana State was slipping because of a, mo- a couple of things. A couple, like all right. First, let's talk. Let's talk schematics. They were underperforming at quarterback. I mean, here's the thing. Well, let's think about this. Lance McCutcheon, and I'm writing this story later this week. GodonSportsMT.com is arguably, and I think almost definitively, having the greatest single season for a receiver in Montana State history, at least statistically. Um, he's, he's approaching Sam McCollum's single season record for touchdowns in the year. He, If he has even a decent outing in Frisco, he's going to set the single season record for receiving yards in the year. Uh, he's averaging 20-something yards per catch. He's been, he's been unbelievable. Um, he would have... 
six to eight hundred more receiving yards this year if Matt McKay threw even a kind of good deep ball. I mean, Montana State took shots on the first play of the game, the first play of the half, and every single change of possession this entire year when Matt McKay was the quarterback. And I bet you if you did the statistical analysis, they hit 25% of those. I mean, McCutcheon was McCutcheon was wide open on opening game or opening half shots literally nine out of ten times they'd throw them, and they hit probably three of those. I want to shift and, real quick while you're, while you're talking about sure. this. Do you think Tucker Rovick throws a better deep ball than Matt McKay? you think he could have had a better season if Tucker Rovick's just throwing sideline fades to Matt Mc, or Lance McCutcheon all game? Yeah, maybe. And that's the other factor about telling him a lot, is what does Butte High do under Ari Gray, the former Bobcat? They run the straight-up zone read air raid. It's one of the most unique offenses I've ever seen. It is RPO with the quarterback, the running back, and a potential keeper. But the the if the quarterback decides to pass in the RPO in that scheme, the only throw is the back shoulder fade. They don't run slants. They don't run any of that stuff. And that's why Dallas Cook and Tommy Lott are two of the most prolific quarterbacks in Montana State football history. High school, that is. Because they throw the back shoulder fade. That's the other irony about Tommy Lott is that he still has a long ways to go developing as a quarterback. He can't throw a a tight end shtick or a you know an inside post or a, a, a short slant very well at all right now. But he can throw the back shoulder fade better than almost anybody I've seen in a long time. So that's a huge advantage as well. But anyway, sorry I interrupt. No, that's right. I interrupted you. We were talking about Lance McCutcheon there. <laughs> talking about so, the great but, season of no, uh, okay, history. I do have a quick question as sure. we were talking about that. Do you think we're going to need to see more out of Malat in the championship game in order to to win that? Because for me, well, I always think we need to pass over the middle and do other things that we're, we're not doing. I was just interested on your take there. Yeah, well, uh, so but to, to, to finish answering that first question about how they routed Sam Houston State and South Dakota State, I mean, first of all, Teams within the league, you get to watch the film twice as much because so many times you're preparing for this team, but Montana State's on the other side. You know what I'm saying? So, like, sure. Idaho and Montana. So, here's the thing Troy Anderson is Paul Bunyan, right? <laughs> but he's not immortal. He does have weaknesses. I actually think that Troy Anderson is the worst inside linebacker in the league when it comes to getting caught in the mess. Like that's what the old school OCs would tell you. Yes. Like when you get you when you get caught in the mess and you have to hand fight, right? Troy Anderson's not very good at getting off blocks. Like if, if you pull a guard and run gap scheme right at him, Troy Anderson gets knocked on his ass pretty frequently. I've seen Troy Anderson get knocked on his butt several times. Like, yeah. I, I don't it, make I keep exactly. those comments to myself. But like, oh, Troy got completely no, no, flattened it, it's, right it's, there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's true. And I also know that so many people that are listening to this are Bobcat people. So I'll, I'll tell this story. I know this secondarily because I have I have uh, connections, I guess. But after the Cactus game, Bobby Halk at quarterback club showed like a six-play cut-up of all the things the Grizz did to isolate Troy Anderson and exploit the few things that he's bad at. But Troy Anderson is the big guy MVP <laughs> and the Buck Buchanan Award winner because he can do things that's, that I've never seen done in college football at any level. Like Montana State beat Eastern Washington because Troy Anderson can switch from Mike linebacker to playing a true nickel and guard the best receiver in the big sky conference and shut him down. That that's an unbelievable thing. He gets no statistics for that at all. He, I don't, I think he had one tackle in the second half of the Eastern Washington game. 
but he also shut down Tololo Limu Jones, who's probably going to get drafted. And he's a linebacker. He's not a corner. He's not a nickel. So, like, that's the reason he wins Big Sky Conference Player of the Year. But also, if you're Paul Petrino and you're coaching for your job and you're down to your fourth-string quarterback and the only thing you got is this Wildcat quarterback and a stud fullback who's probably going to the NFL and a, a really good offensive guard, what are you going to do? You're going to run straight up quarterback power, the guard pulling right at Troy Anderson, the 270-pound fullback following it up with a double team, and you're running Zach Borish right up the gut. And that's why they, Montana State looks so weird on that senior day. It's not just the Matt McKay thing. Like Idaho, Idaho State did the same thing. Dedicate your entire offensive attack to getting Troy Anderson caught in the mess because at least that way Troy Anderson is not going to just get a pick six and beat you. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there's a lot of things that went into it. But then when it comes to Sam Houston and South Dakota State, they don't have that same intimate knowledge. And they're treating Troy Anderson like a mere mortal because they've never seen him in live time. And so then he gets to just run free. And I mean, I think he played his two best games of his career. And part of that's just because he's, that's who he is. Like, of course he's going to go out on top, but also those teams just weren't game planning for any of that stuff. I also think that Freddie Banks basically won Montana state, the Sam Houston and the South Dakota state games. But I think more than anything though, these dudes just believe like that's what coach Ty, Ty Gregorak on this podcast on big sky breakdown has said, Week after week after week. He helped coach a lot of these guys. He helped recruit a lot of these guys. Like he's been saying, the all those guys that are the leaders of Montana State, where they're at right now, this is no surprise at all. Like this is where this is where they want to be. This is where their goals were to be. And if you're Daniel Hardy or Troy Anderson or Lewis Kidd or Isaiah Fonsey, like you're the best dude on the block every game you play, why wouldn't you think that? Right? Like I said this on Nuana's Now Today. The number one question I've gotten over the last two weeks is, do the Cats have a chance? It's like, are you kidding me? Of course the Cats have a chance. The Cats have literally nine of the best players in the United States of America. That gets you a chance against anybody. Uh, so, I mean, to answer your question, the reason that they, they won those games is more than anything, they buried the hatchet after the Grizz game. They have phenomenal coaching, but their dudes have superior talent, and all those dudes believe right now. And if you ask them right now, they're fulfilling their destiny. Thorny, as we venture into the r r two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana State, and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites. But we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man, Scotch Ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man, Scotch Ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden Bobcat Pale Ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. 
Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. I want to piggyback off of a question real quick, or a topic you brought up here real quick. Um, Something we've noticed throughout the year, and especially in the playoffs, is I think Freddie Banks is one of the best I've seen in Bozeman at making second-half adjustments. Is is that something that you've seen, too? Oh, man. I, yeah, I mean, I I, I guess uh, I'm sorry for all the Bobcat fans listening to this, that Freddie Banks is a one-and-done, but also, like, that's all it was ever going to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's 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 phenomenal yeah. man like he's 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 really 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 good like i i think that he's really good um they've they've been as they've they've been as good on defense as as you always wanted and knew montana state could be because montana state that's the thing is like people remember travis lule and denarius mcgee and, and dakota Prukop, but like msu in the 21st century has been probably the most consistent defensive program in the league. And I'm saying that over the Grizz because the Grizz had several lulls when they went to these offensive head coaches, but like from those Pete Wachowski teams under Mike Kramer to, I mean, I know that Jamie Marshall fell off a lot too, but I mean, there's been, there's been as many iconic individual guys and, and, and units for the Bobcats for the last, uh, you know, 19, 20 years as, as anybody in the league. And so uh, still though, even those teams, they're so good. And they, they flash their potential and they help them win games, but they're not like straight up lights out like this. I mean, this team's like giving up like 10 points per game, man. I mean, they've given up like 15 touchdowns in 15 games. It's crazy. The numbers that they're putting up. And, and so much of that credit goes to banks. Yeah. We were hoping to, we realized about halfway through the season that Freddie Banks wasn't long for Bozeman. I was hoping to get more than one year out of him, but uh, <laughs> you know, these things happen. That's kind of what you want though. If you're, if you're a good FCS program, you have basically have two choices. You get up and coming coaches or you get kind of coaches on kind of the twilight of their career. That's just kind of, <laughs> just kind of how it goes sometimes. And that, well, that's and, that, and, got. and that's right. I mean, it, it, here's the thing. If, uh, if you, if you're a defensive, a division one defensive coordinator, when you're like 30 years old, like Freddie Banks or 31 years old, you're, you're either like a prodigy and you're going to be big time ASAP or, the head coach that hired you has no idea what he's doing. You're going to be fired. He said, there's no real inventory. Sure. Yeah. We were both pretty nervous when we hired uh, two coordinators that had like pretty much zero experience calling plays between the two of them. But right. Freddie Banks yeah. certainly worked out house rights. Not, not quite as confident in him, but he's, he's winning me over here lately. Tommy lots helping him out. <laughs> hey, Coulter, let's take a look at Frisco. Um, Ryan and I are not in Montana. So we were just kind of wondering what's the buzz about, this game in Montana and uh, kind of a secondary question. How's Butte responded to, to all this? Oh man. Well, first of all, on the, on the Butte note, I mean, I could, I could wax poetic for forever. I mean, I'm writing a, that's my big feature for the week is, is Montana state mining the mining city and, and have how <laughs> I like it. Butte, Butte America has, uh, has given Montana state, most, if not all, of its greatest football moments, you know, from from, from Jim Sweeney to Sonny Holland to Sonny Lubick and that lineage of Butte, um, to, you know, Paul Dennehy in 1976 leading the Cats, 
you know, I mean, Kelly Davis, one of the best players on the 84 cats, like on and on and on. And I think it's so fitting now that, yeah, I mean, I can't say too much because I don't want to ruin the whole narrative of my story. But, like, there's a statue of Sonny Hall in front of the stadium and all these guys touch it. Yeah. And, and like, now the kid who's going to lead them to the promised land again is from Butte. Like, it's just amazing. And, like, that confluence of events and all of it to happen is is just so crazy. But, um, I mean, I'll let you in on a little, a little angle of my personal life, I guess. Um, Marcus Ferreter, who played for the, the Cats, uh, was a senior in 2019, Butte Central kid. Uh, his oldest brother, Stephen Ferreter, is one of my best friends and, and has been one of my best friends forever. So I know Marcus really well, and, and that's why I always really wanted to, to tell Marcus his story. I mean, he was, he was, a, he was a good player for the Cats, and, and he played a, bit, a good role his junior and senior years. But, but I, I gave him a little more attention for, for two reasons. One, because I knew him, and he, you know, he's my, one of my best friend's brothers, but also just because the story of Butte and the richness of that culture is so awesome. It's, it's so uh, – as Bill Lamberty always says, Butte tells its story better than anybody. And uh, I got to, I, I didn't have much time with him, but I got about 90 minutes with Steve and Marcus Ferger over the, uh, the uh, Christmas break. And uh, we were just talking about touchdown Tommy and, and all the things. And, and those guys are just over the moon about it. And, you know, it's like Steve said, he was like, man, Tommy Malat encompasses, like all the good characteristics of all the great athletes I ever knew from Butte, like all wrapped up into one. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's so cool, man. Like, and he's got this whole army behind him and, you know, it's Butte America, you know? And like the fact that it dates back to the greatest Bobcat of all time. And, you know, there's, it's just so rich in its story. So I, you know, I just, I think that, it's it's just it's just an amazing part of it, but that that's the Tommy Watt answer. What was the first part of the question, though? Just how Montana is reacting towards it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very interesting thing, you know, because I I live in such an interesting world, you know, because with all my my sales responsibilities as well as you know the, the fact that I cover both Montana and Montana State fiercely and with and with so much passion and and. uh you know, I really always try to keep it even. That's why I get so, I get, it's so funny when I, all these arguments on Bobcat Nation and Egris break out, like with yeah. Coulter went to the University of Montana and he's a Grizz, but then all the Grizz people are like, oh, well, he worked in Bozeman for eight years. He's a cat. And it's like, truly, I want nothing but the best. If the Cats and the Grizz can play the national championship for the rest of the time, that's not only so good for me on a personal level, but that's so good for my business. Like that's like, that would be what I want. I don't, I don't have any emotional investment in it. I, I just love being a part of it. I love all my connections on both sides of it, but it's been very interesting to me, you know, talking to my colleagues and the people that I work with and a lot of my advertising clients. And a lot of those people are in Missoula, you know, like the, the Grizz fan pod guys, you know, both Mike Nugent and Brent Wahlberg are, are great friends of mine. I spend a lot of time with those guys a lot, uh, you know, all the time. And they both advertise on my show. I mean, there's bigger Grizz fans as there is. Obviously, they have a whole podcast just like you yeah, guys. Yeah, they're all right. But, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, but that's why, that's why, like I was telling you guys off the top, like that's why I think that you guys and those guys, you guys are doing great stuff with your, your podcast because you guys have so much passion for it. You have a fan angle, but it's not irrational. You know, you guys have a rational view on it, and, that, and that's cool. And, uh, you know, it makes it entertaining to listen to and worthwhile to listen to, too. But anyways, you know, just like talking to those guys, like they were saying, you know, from like a, a fierce passion standpoint, like uh, it, would, it would hurt me a little bit. You know, I'd have a little 
will salt in my mouth if the, if the cats won. But like on the other hand, just from a story perspective, from a, you know, cultural perspective, just from like our communities and stuff, like what we would talk about, like, it's pretty cool, man. Like, you know, it's like I was saying, when you sit up there, if you're watching that Jordan Anderson talking a lot press conference and you can't feel at least a little bit of emotion about some part of it, like you might be dead, man. Like it's just, it's a, it's an awesome thing. It's definitely an awesome thing. But I think the state of Montana, you know, by and large is, is, is really rooting for the cats. Cause I think that the expectation for these two schools, as it should be because of the resources and the interests and the fan base and, you know, the, the local talent that comes up in Montana and the quality of high school football coaches in Montana, like these two schools, the expectation should be that they're in the, you know, the final eight or the final four of the FCS playoffs every year, especially with all the teams that are moving out. Like that, that should be the expectation. The lead eight, I think is, is the baseline. That's where it should be for both Montana, Montana state. And so, you know, I think, I I think that most people are are proud of the cats for getting to getting to this point. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say this on, on uh, my Monday show. I always have Marty Morningway on the show. He's he's a he's an NFL coach for 25 plus years, and he played quarterback for the Grizz in the early 1980s. But he also runs a quarterback camp for a lot of the best Montana guys every summer, and so he's coached guys like um, Carson Rossat and Caden Hewitt on the Montana side of things. But he also coached Tommy Mulat at that camp, and he always keeps up with Tommy. He wrote Tommy a card, you know, over the holiday, wishing the best of luck. And uh, Marty was on today too. And he's like, you know, he's always playing a shtick. He's, he's coach Marty and, and he played for the Grizz and all that stuff. But he was like, Hey man, I got to tell you, like, don't matter if I'm a Grizz or whatever. He said, I'm saying go cats on Saturday. Like I want Montana state to win. So I think that by and large, the story is just so good. It, it can't be denied. So I think most people are behind Montana state. You mentioned something um, that you're talking about, like both programs should, should, should kind of be always in this conversation. Um, just kind of what do you think about like the it just seems fitting to us that the, as an institution that Montana State has made it to Frisco. Just what do you think about the rise of Bobcat athletics and kind of the the growth of Bozeman and, and, and all the institutional momentum going on all at the same time and, and this kind of converging here with the Bobcats making it to the national championship? Well, and I, I know you guys both follow uh, Bobcat Nation, the message board, and you follow the Skyline Sports Twitter. And uh, that's why I thought it was important, even if it didn't fit into the specifics of any of the the written stories we had or the press conferences or, you know, all the multimedia content. I thought it was important to, to, to publish independently that picture that my brother took of, of Wade Cruzado, the president of Montana state. And, uh, you know, because I thought somebody on Bobcat nation, I can't remember who it was, but they made such a good comment. They said, if you really break this down to its essence, to the nuts and bolts, the salt and pepper of it, she's the reason that this has happened. And, And that's true. And I, I've thought about that so much. Like in my career as a journalist, I always think about like my, my most people will describe my job as, as a, you know, a sports writer, a, you know, a, a sports reporter and, you know, a, a radio broadcaster, daily talk show host, those sort of things. But really, like when I think about it as my obligation as a journalist, I consider this job covering higher education and state politics because two of the two of the most highly employed and visible state employees in, the, in, the, in, in Montana are the head football coaches and, and checks and balances are ne- uh, they're, they're a necessity for that to, uh, to be a reality. And, uh, and, and to stay between the ditches, but when it really all comes down to it, like attitude reflects leadership and leadership is everything. And when you really boil it down, um, 
you can you can account for Washington Grizzly Stadium and um, Dave Dickinson and all these different things for the rise of the University of Montana. But in reality, it was George Dennison and his leadership to make the University of Montana this flagship and and all of the things that it became when it was at its peak. And since he's died, Montana's had such a huge erosion. But part of that erosion has also been spurred on by the fact that Wider Cruzado is one of the most peerless leaders I've ever seen in my life. And like, I think she should remember president of the United States. Like I would absolutely vote for her. You know what I mean? Like she's just so charismatic and driven and smart and all of those things. And that's why we tweeted that picture of her celebrating after they won, because when it really all boils down to it, she got the, the end, the South end zone, uh, bold in. She got the new turf. She raised that money. She raised the money for the new scoreboard. She financed the Bobcat Athletic Center. I mean, at the end of the day, she fired Rob Ash and she made sure Andy Hill didn't get hired and she hired Jeff Chilt and she gave the blessing for Ben Vegan. She's even hired all the coaches. Like everything that's happened in Montana State over the last 15 years is because of Wadi Cruzado. And I think that she deserves as much credit as anybody that we're sitting here doing this podcast and that we're sitting here with Montana State going to the national championship. Yeah, Wadad's going to be traveling down there. We're going to be traveling down there. Bobcats are traveling down there. We know you're traveling down there. Man, it's such an exciting exciting time to be a Bobcat fan. I'm sure it's exciting being part of the media to get to cover it. But let's let's shift the gears a little bit to Frisco. We're not going to talk about the game too much. We already you know, touched a little bit about the Bison, if we can beat them, all that stuff. I, we're all traveling down there. First thing, I, I want to make sure that, we, we, that you know that we're going to make sure you get your Happy Meal down there. We'll get you your beer and your shot down there. All right, that's, we'll we'll get you covered there. But I I do want to ask. Well, that, I'm, just, I'm just praying that we get down there after yes. I heard about the yeah, fiascos right? of this last weekend. I'm like freaking out. Well, that's what we're leaning like, into. Uh, you were telling us a little bit uh, before we started recording about some of the travel booking uh, shenanigans that you may have come into. So why don't you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about uh, getting down to Frisco? Well, so uh, the those the post game press conferences for these playoff games are are always um, so interesting for a variety of reasons, but. First of all, because it's an NCAA sanctioned event, it's it's required that both teams go, and it's required that the visiting team goes first. Well, when you have a game like South Dakota State on uh, you know a couple Saturdays ago, SDS the, the, the game's over, and you know of the thirty thousand people in and around the arena. Thousands of them are SDSU people. Nobody else is is there on that, that behalf. So they go do their, uh, you know, brief locker room meeting or whatever. But you're not going to, you know, no coach is going to waste time ripping their teams to shreds when the season's just over. It's just like a, hey, you know, chick boys on the way. We'll break it down on Monday in our exit meetings or whatever. And so it's always crazy because, uh, you know, I've been a part of a couple of these. And so I always leave the press box and go down there because I know there's going to be like an on-field celebration, right? You know, you can get some videos and also you can just feel the energy, feel the moment, all that stuff. But it's always like this timing thing because you know that the visiting team, if they're the ones that lost, are going to be in that post-game press conference as soon as possible and be out of that post-game press conference as soon as possible. So I, I was able to be on the field with Montana State and everybody celebrating and all that for probably 10, 12 minutes. That's it. And, uh, I shook Dan Davies' hand. I shook Leon Costello's hand. Shook Bill Amberty's hand, and uh, you know, gave a, a couple knucks to a couple of my fa- favorite guys on the team, and uh, then just went to the press guys. 
and interviewed the SDSU people. Okay, all right. But then for the home team, if they're the ones celebrating, especially like that, when it's going to the national championship game, they're going to take a long time. And it's the only loophole in those NCAA-administered press conferences where there's like this, that you don't have to obey the cool-off rule. Like when you have the NCAA basketball tournament, there's a, there's a timer. And so you got to be in there within 15 minutes or within half an hour of the game, depending on if you won or lost. And if you don't, it actually is an NCAA violation. You can actually get like a, a little bit of a minor fine for that. Well, it, the, the loophole for football exists. So all this, all of that's a long way way of saying that um, SDSU went in the press conference and then there was a, probably a, a 30 to 40 minute time period before um, Brent Vegan and Tommy Lott and Troy Anderson and Daniel Hardy and Amanda Williams came to the post game for Montana State. And so we're sitting there uh, you know, in the in the new Bobcat Athletic Center, which, by the way, if, if it, the listeners or you guys haven't been in there, it's beautiful, it's awesome, and they're hosting the press conference in the team room now, so that's pretty slick, and it's got all sorts of state-of-the-art sound, and it's it's awesome. It's been a great upgrade. But uh, hmm. we we, we kind of, we you know, you kind of get the cadence of what's going on, and the, the people are about to come in. Um, but, so Brooks and I, my brother Brooks and I, from uh, my business partner, Skyline Sports, we started looking at flights and uh, in, you know, there was like 20 minutes where we looked at them and then we refreshed it and the flights almost doubled in 20 minutes. And then by the end of the press conference, I'm looking at them as we're driving back to Missoula and they've doubled again. And like, cause there's direct flights from Missoula and Bozeman. They're relatively affordable. Well, they doubled and doubled and doubled. And so finally, by the time I'm done writing my story, and and we're about pulling into Missoula. I'm like, dude, I got to pull the trigger. We're going to spend our entire retirement on this trip. <laughs> so so we finally got the deal. Part of it's because Brooks and I both have other jobs outside of Skyline, and and that neither one of us could leave until Friday. But still, it was it was just uh, it was hilarious. Part of that is a testament to the fact that there are those direct flights, but also part of it was the the fact that Bobcat fans were smashing. They were eating up those tickets. And so it was it was driving supply and demand. So, you know, even though I was sort of frustrated by the expense, it, it was actually kind of cool to see, you know, just the desire and everybody eating those up. What's your guys' travel plans? Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now, Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Well, kind of funny. The same thing happened to um, even from Seattle when the Bobcats was after South Dakota State won and the Bobcats won. And then they were going to host another semifinal game. The same thing happened where I was looking at flights and they basically went up to twelve hundred dollars from Seattle to Bozeman for a semifinal game. And I was like, I just don't know if I want to spend that much money. But going back to Frisco, we were both like supremely confident. I actually booked flights which with the American airlines, you can hold it up to five days for like $10. You pay $10 to hold the price for five days. I did it all on like Thursday. I booked flights. I booked hotels. I, I bought the tickets all on Thursday before <laughs> James Madison even played North Dakota state. Cause I'm like, I learned my lesson on that on the South Dakota state thing. Like things went so crazy and the tickets went so fast for that semifinal game. Like I'm not going to have this happen to me for the national championship game. If I have to eat some tickets, like one ticket, I can hold the airline prices. So 
I got in on everything and I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I only, I got half my flight booked with miles. So I'm doing pretty good on that front, but uh, I know fully had uh, a little hard time booking a flight, but it's also coming from Spokane versus Seattle. But uh, yeah, we got, we got hotel to hotel booked. We're going to go on a Friday and uh, you know, I don't know what we're going to do yet. We're just going to soak it all in and, I know we're going to get tailgating early on, and that's really the only plan we have at the moment. Maybe try and do a live show down there in some capacity. I don't know. All right. Well, there's travel plans. We'll to, definitely have to meet up with you down there. I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, before we get out of here, Coulter, I want to ask, do you have any questions for us or anything you want to ask us um, before we get out? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to know what you guys think of this whole thing. Like, first of all, I want to know about just you two specifically because I feel like, like when Jeff Schultz left, um, it it was a it was a uh, it was a crazy moment for anybody that has been invested in Bobcat football, and I think I think that's like a a true testament to how compelling he is, you know. Like I still talk to Chote all the time because I just think he's yeah I just think he's such a he's such a unique character you know like he can give you a sermon about anything if you just prompt him and it's unbelievable and and I just think that he had such a reverence among the Montana State faithful so take me through what you guys were thinking when Chote was a finalist of Boise State. <laughs> And then, oh, man. and then he got hired at Texas. Were you guys freaking out? I'm going to let uh, Floyd take this one because I know he's uh, <laughs> been a bit more emotional on the subject uh, than I have. So I'll let you go first, Floyd. Well, I, I feel like I remember that day vividly. I think it was our, our friend um, Brent Wahlberg texting us on the Twitter thread. Yeah, hearing Brent. things about Choate. Brent. And I was at work. I was teaching at the time, and I started sweating. Like legitimately started sweating, brows started getting wet, you know, pits started, you know, getting wet. And I was just, I was like, no, here it comes. And you just always had the feeling that Jeff Choate was antsy for the next job. And then, oh, um, <laughs> and then, so he doesn't get the job and everybody's like, heck yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's staying. And then uh, I, I just cu- kind of, you know, felt it. He was like, you know, he's gone. He's gone. So, um. I remember talking to Alex Eshelman about this. It just legit felt like a breakup. Like there was the full on yeah. stages yeah. of. That's good. She's, she's, broken she's, up referenced, with she's referenced that on, uh, on my ESPN show too. It's, it's a great <laughs> yeah. analogy. In <laughs> honestly, culture, it like lingered for me probably for a lot of the year. I mean, almost until. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I don't feel like I've been a full on vegan believer probably until Sam Houston State, if I'm <laughs> like legit honest with you. Like, yeah, I love yeah. me some Jeff Choate. Like, he was, yo, oh man, oh man. Yeah. It's like, like a father like he, figure like, is what he is. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that, like, you, exa- you've talked that's about exa- that. That's exa- no, that's exactly right, man. And like, it, it, it hits so close to home for me because, like, I've said this on on my podcast on Big Sky Breakdown and 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 Nuanas now as well, but like truly, man. Um, first of all, Choate is so compelling, and and he's such a great teacher and speaker. But he also, in some ways, reminds me of my dad so much. Mm-hmm. And like my my brother and I lost our dad about seven years ago, and like 
Choate was like the guy, not not in like you know daily life or you know minutia or support or anything like that, but just in like the 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 heroism that where you can like look up to an alpha male, you know, because our dad was such an alpha, and Choate is so much like that, and and some you know. We, my brother and I have a whole, a whole notebook, a whole uh, like binder worth of, of sayings that my dad used to always say. And, uh, mm. you know, it's like that book, Shit My Dad Says, right? But, like, you could write a book, yeah. Shit Jeff Choate Says. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it seriously, it reminded me so much of my old man. And, like, their backgrounds, like working class, growing up in the middle of nowhere, you know, logging and mining and all that stuff. And, like, I mean – you see Choate, he's got a crooked nose. Want to know why? Because he's been in bar fights. <laughs> and, like, I just love that guy. You know, he's just so – he's so uh, from the same the same essence as, as uh, people from this part of the world. And uh, so I agree, man. It, I was like, what? What's happening? Like, I, you know, Montana State, like we mentioned earlier, um, has so much institutional momentum and Wada Cruzado so great. And I think Leon Costello is exceptional. And like they inherited, you know, there's this roster that was stacked. So like I never, I mean, I picked, I, everybody was talking about, well, how the Cats can react to the coaching teams. I picked the Cats to win the league. And I voted the Cats number one in the country in my preseason media poll. Like I, I thought this was happening all along, just straight up based on talent. Like they got Troy Anderson. Everybody else doesn't. That's a huge advantage. But all that said, though, I totally agree with you. Like, when Choate left, that was a weird moment. That was like a crazy moment in time that was like, mm. it was just the uncertainty. Like, it wasn't as if it was like doomsday, this whole thing's going to crash. It was just like, that guy was so cool to be around. Like, what are we going to do after this? I think for me, I was just more more worried about the program without Jeff Choate. Because Jeff Choate, for all his great qualities, was a bit about himself in some ways. So like he kind of made the program about him. So like if everything is like, he's the linchpin of everything that's gone well for the Bobcats and he's gone now. And the circumstance of circumstances of it irritated me at the time. Like if he would have gotten the uh, Boise state job, I would have fully been happy for him because he applied for it. Like I knew he wanted a higher job. He's a Boise state alum, right? Like it was a Boise state alum. Like that was just one of his, it's like a dream jobs for him, so to speak, like a really good G5 job. And he didn't get that job. I was like, all right, here we go. All right, we get him for another year. And then he's just like all of a sudden gone to be Texas. Like Texas, why Texas? Like that just seems all of his coaching tree stuff is all Pacific Northwest. And he, he just goes for Texas. It just seemed like this is about like. It was PK. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand PK. he has some connections there, but it just seemed more about well, that, just getting also- out of Bozeman than it did getting some sort of dream job. And that's where it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. But that's also why, that's also why, I mean, twofold though, Joe would never say this on the record, but Joe's also smart enough to know when you hit your peak, like sure. Everything, everything I just said glowingly about Joe, this team would not be a national championship. Jeff Joe's head coach. I've, we've, we've wondered that. And then we were actually, potentially going to ask something similar to that. I don't know if we want to go down that road, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not even a, an extra tangent. It's just that like everything we've talked about and it's not a shout on show. It's that what this team needed both in its collection of talent, as well as its steady senior leadership was a coach that was going to make it about the guys and not him. And, and that's a, and that's a great thing. And that's not even a shot at choke that is. And I think choke knew that too. 
Like, I truly think that Choate knew that this, this was the potential of the team if he stepped away. And I also know that he knows that he would be a legend if he stepped away without ever losing the Grizz and setting the table for this run. It's the best thing that could have happened to him and his legacy, too. Thorny, as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana State, and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Rooted in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson. And as always, go Cats. Yeah, going out on top 4-0 against the Grizz, like you're going to be pretty much a legend for forever, no matter what else you kind of did at that point. That's just exactly. kind of the reality of it in Bozeman, whether I like that or not, that's just kind of how it goes. 100%. 100%. I also have one last question for you guys. There was the uh, picture that kind of went viral after the game. And uh, I was sort of disappointed. Like, we had three photographers there, and they all took great pictures, and we had all sorts of great Twitter interactions and all that. But the photo I got the most play, and this is not that I expected my guys to get this, but credit to Brandon Sullivan, who, who did get it for MTN Sports, is the, this picture of, of Brett Vegan shaking Jeff Choate's hand on the field, and Leon Costello is in the, the background. What did you guys think of that picture? I mean, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I thought it was really yeah. cool that Jeff Choate was there, number was awesome one. Too. And just number two, that he sought out Brent Vegan and they all had a big handshake. And Leon, Leon Costello's, I think, has been a big part of this. We talked a lot about Wadded, but I think Leon Costello deserves a lot of credit as well. So I thought it was a really cool picture capturing yes, everyone and just a cool moment of, uh, I don't know, you could almost call that another passing of the guard, so to speak. Just kind of like, a, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the team that I helped build up to, to the next level that I was hoping that you could. I don't know, something along those lines. I thought it was pretty cool. It was cool. I think a problem. I think it probably also like settled some arguments amongst some cat fans about just, you know, Chote versus vegan or vegan versus Chote. And uh, it, it was a fitting for the moment. It was like, it was, it was a perfect cap to that, uh, to that game. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was such a interesting picture. I mean, it's so much depth to it, right? Like yeah. so much depth. Because there was, I don't know, we could go so tangential on this. I don't even want to uh, go down that road. But, like, I mean, the the, the dynamic of an athletic, uh, athletic director and the head coaches of the revenue sports and who they hire and, like, that dynamic, if there's a successful coach of a revenue sport that wasn't hired by said AD, like, there's just so many different things that go in. And I'm not trying to speculate any sort of weird or bad blood or whatever, but, like, the trend in college athletics now is that the AD hires the head coaches for the uh, revenue sports. And if those head coaches aren't hired by the AD, unless they are absolutely elite successful, they're on their way out. And 
So, like, the fact that Choate was hired before Leon and that Choate basically ran the athletic department when he was there. Like, and I'm not saying he, I don't want to say anything away from Leon Castillo. I think Castillo is amazing. I think, he, I, like you said, he deserves all the credit in the world. Let's just say it's hard to be Jeff Choate's boss because <laughs> he's, he's a very bullish <laughs> guy, you know? Like, for example, they have, they have head coaches meetings in Montana State. And, like, let's make no mistake. Jeff Choate's running those things when he's going to those meetings, you know. So I don't know. I thought I thought it was a photo with so much depth and and so much so much awesomeness. And uh, you know, that's the thing is like I don't know if Brent Vegan's ever going to sit there and knock your socks off as like this Academy Award winning character in this this movie or whatever. Like Jeff Choate was like he's really Jeff Choate was like really a movie character, but like. In a lot of ways, Vegan is the answer, and he's also a way more perfect fit for Montana State. And I think that the most underrated part of this season is Brent Vegan. He deserves all the credit in the world for what he's been able to do. And, and that's the biggest testament to him, is that the reason it's an underrated part of this season is he hasn't wanted that at all. And that's why they're where they're at. I also think yeah, I think all credit for Vegan as it's blending – some of the reta- retaining some of the staff with blending it some, with some of his own hires. I think he did had like a perfect balance there. That's really helped the Bobcats as well. I mean, yeah, he knocked it out of the park. Like, the, I mean, their staff has been like almost flawless. I know, I know Bobcat nation was ready to burn Taylor house right at the stake for the, the second half of the year. <laughs> but I, I think that retrospectively you realize it was because they didn't trust the quarterback. And I, again, I'm not trying to pile on Matt McKay, but like, Taylor Housred had that Philly special that they ran against Sam Houston up his sleeve since week six. And and they didn't roll it out to the semis because they didn't trust the dude that was operating it. I mean, they had way more diverse play calling in the last three weeks than they had all year long. Sure. Cause guess because guess what? Housewright trusts his quarterback. I'll, I'll tell another just real quick story. Uh the Saturday South Dakota State game. In the press box, this, the center press box is where the media sits. They got the radio guy, the the uh, home and away radio broadcast teams on either side, and the coaches' booths on either side of that. So you're two two glass suites away from either either of the coaches. And uh, when Tom Malott threw that last touchdown to Lance McCutcheon, that back shoulder fade that was just money against South Dakota State, you could hear through two different press boxes. Taylor House, right? Scream. That's what happens when I have a MF quarterback. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, there was a certainly debate amongst us on this podcast. We're not smart enough, intelligent enough football minds to know what part of the offense was broken. Was it House, right? Or was it McKay? Or was it both? But I think uh, things have kind of cleared up a little bit in that department. For sure, man. And like, enjoy it, man. Cause talking a lot is, is spectacular. That's a moment in time. It's a, it's an unbelievable thing that we're watching right now. Well, just to kind of wrap it up too, a little bit, I think um, you speaking about the parallel kind of opened my eyes a little bit, about how vegan deserves so much credit. However, he, he doesn't want it to be about himself and how that mirrors Tommy Malott and Troy Anderson, both guys who are just about the business, but obviously don't want to be in front of the cameras, don't want to sit there answering the questions. Um, I just think that's really cool putting that together. It, it is it was the, the thing about Tommy though is like, is Troy is so funny because Troy is so sweet natured 
even though he's like such a badass, right? Like he is, his, his nature is very sweet and kind, right? But but he mm-hmm. still is sort of. Uh, I don't want to even say Evans av- 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 here. Uh, he's not. He's not like adversarial or like dismissive of the media. But like you're right, you can kind of tell he's like. And eh, why am I doing this again? I also thought it was cool though. He, I asked him about you know him being a Bobcat aim for the last time and him sitting at that press conference for the last time. And then he like lit up and he's like, man, this actually is the last time. And then he like did his, you know, he actually like let loose a little bit. <laughs> but the thing yeah. that's so fascinating about Tommy though, is that like, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it, man. Like, like you guys were saying he's, he's stone faced and you think he's like this stern character, but then you like ask him a question and he'll stare at you sort of blankly. And then he'll like look off into the ether and his the way he the way he like articulates it doesn't have much enthusiasm to it, but then you like listen to it and you're like, "What? This is perfect." <laughs> what he said was just like spot on, perfect. It's it's unreal. Like it's actually unreal. Like when I transcribed the quotes to just put it in the stories, it's like, who is this guy? Like he, it, it, he, it's almost like he's having an out of body experience. Like in the in the last couple of weeks, it's it's crazy to watch his performance on the field and just the way he's handled it all. Like he is such a pro's pro, it's mind blowing. And that like that picture you guys posted with him sitting sitting up to the mic and Troy sitting back with his arms crossed and just chuckling. It's like the, that's like yeah. one of the greatest pictures of all time. Seriously, it's so awesome. Yeah. To, to like watch that and to watch the way that Tommy Mallott has dealt with all this. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. All right. Tommy, well, the future. Well, hold on. I just got to ask that. Okay. Is Tommy the future quarterback for the Bobcats? Oh my gosh. See, no, we don't gotta, we don't want to end this podcast on like a negative. Note. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think, I think, Tommy, I, think I think Tommy Mallott is one of the great athletes I've seen in my career period. I think if I think that Tommy Malott's going to play an unbelievable amount of football for Montana State, no matter what. I think there's a significant chance it's as a quarterback, but I also think there's a significant chance it's not. Uh, I think they're going to out recruit him uh, in, in a lot. They're going to try to out recruit him, which he should in this day and age of college football, especially if you're a quarterback guru like Brett Deegan. I think that the scuttle in the program is that Jordan Reed kid from Southern California that they got is is the next of the of the the. Uh, sort of the, the prototypes, at least I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Josh Allen, but like he's the next prototype that vegan's going to get a chance to mold. And so who knows what he becomes, but like that's an entry point for sure. Um, and I also think that there's this, this, there's this stark reality that Bobcat fans are going to have to face after Saturday in which Tommy Watt truly did catch lightning in a bottle as much as anybody I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. You know, I've heard from so many people, well, what if Tommy Watt would have started all year? Nothing would have happened if Tommy Watt started all year because they wouldn't have been able to give him 34 carries against South Dakota State on December 18th of the semifinals of the playoffs with Isaiah Fonson yeah. on the bench. You know, like the timing was perfect <laughs> and the and the, the move was so calculated. Like Tommy Watt, if he was getting 30 carries, you know, to beat Weber State October 16th, like – that ain't happening. Like he's he's not playing and or completely limited by this point in the season. So um <laughs> I, I think the timing has been so perfect. 
and I also like at this point, how could you possibly bet against the kid? I mean, he's 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 uh, I think he's a football savant. I think that he is an unbelievable kid. I think he has such great perspective and his ability to handle all this stuff. He's going to be so empowered because I mean, how could you not be empowered when your biggest fan is Troy Anderson and your second biggest fan is Ty Okada? I mean, like these guys are like the biggest Tommy touchdown fans that there is, and they're the dudes in the big sky. So all that like caters to Tommy, but the stark reality that Montana State followers are going to have to face is that what Tommy was done these last three weeks and what he might do again on Saturday, like there's going to be a stark fall from that because everybody's going to have a huge amount of time to prepare for him or whatever. But that said, that's, that happens to every quarterback that happened to Lamar Jackson, happened to Russell Wilson. It happened to Patrick Mahomes this year. I mean, the Chiefs started three and four. I thought Patrick Mahomes was on track to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I still think he is, but people figured out the formula to stop him and they started three and four. Then they figured it out and they won eight in a row. But like, that's that it's going, that's, that's the penultimate moment of a quarterback's career, right? Is like right now, Tommy Moss got lightning in a bottle and there's no game plan for him. By the time he gets, if he's the starting quarterback or winning is the starting quarterback next year, no question is he going to take a huge dip early only because teams are going to full on junk it up against him. But then what happens? How do you respond? Are you Robert Griffin? And once team figures you out, you fizzle. Johnny Manziel, once teams figure you out, you fizzle. Or are you Aaron Rodgers and teams figure you out once every six weeks and 17 years later, you're still winning MVPs and, you know, 13 games in the playoffs. I know that's an NFL analogy, but like, that's what it's going to take. So to answer your question, I, I would not bet against Tommy a lot because he's gonna he's gonna outwork everybody, period, 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 period. But that he's also gonna have to overcome so many obstacles internally and externally before they get to that point. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. I've been... uh... I haven't similar thoughts. I haven't wanted to voice them. Number one, to jinx anything. Number two, I don't want to get roasted by Bobcat fans. Like, I'm not so sure Tommy's <laughs> Malas quarterback next year, but we'll get into that later on in a postseason podcast yeah. over here. But my, quest, my last question for you, though. Well, if he wins on Saturday, yeah. he's a quarterback next year. Yeah, how do, you, how do you possibly bench a national championship winning quarterback, period? I don't know how that happens. but uh, Well, Nick Saban did that once upon a time. Yeah, that's a whole different uh, beast. And, 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 but then, but what, that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. Nick Saban benched Jalen Hurts once upon a time. Who just made the playoffs in the NFL several years later? Jalen Hurts. It's all about, as a quarterback, when do you hit that speed bump, and then how, how do you overcome it? It's going to happen to every single dude ever. How do you overcome it? That's that's the key. And I, if Tommy can, and again, how can you possibly bet against this kid? If he can, he will. You mentioned that uh, there's no game plan for him yet. My last question, I guess, uh, probably the first of many last questions as they keep popping into my head. <laughs> um, is that Montana State's biggest strength right now is still kind of the uh, 
Um, element of surprise with Tommy Watt. Uh, yeah, it's so interesting. I think that so much of it, though, there, there's an element of surprise for sure. But I really think it does come back to the thing I touched on earlier: is that the the office that Butte High ran, like seriously, in Tommy Malott's arsenal, the second best weapon besides his running ability is the fact that he can slow the back shoulder fade at an elite level. Like it's not just like a coincidence. Like he throws dimes on the back shoulder fade, like that touchdown to Willie Patterson. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like best I mean, throw I've seen kidding? a Bobcat quarterback make in years. Am I kidding me? Like I don't even think Darius McGee can make that throw. Like that—that that was a dime. So you know, that's the—that's the biggest thing he's got. Like, it, here's the deal. NDSU doesn't run anything on defense. Nothing. And there's no scheme. I still say, I mean, that's that's being dismissive and, and also cliche. But NDSU runs less stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, defensively than almost anybody in the country. Why? Because they have a system, they have discipline, they have consistency, and they have talent that's superior to everybody else. But, like, if you compare and contrast, like, the, the Grizz literally blitz 60% of the plays and NDSU blitzes like 6% of the plays. Like the cats run like every coverage you could possibly run. NDSU runs the same shit every single down because they know that it's all about execution. Like how many NDSU guys have won the Buck Buchanan award during this run? None. Cause they, I, I guess Kyle Emanuel won it one year, but like statistical, Superiority is not a part of the game plan. It's uh, it's it's not a part of the goals of the program for individuals to win those things for exposure and recruiting because they already got it all down. They got the formula fully down. We go to the national championship every year. You're going to come to Fargo, North Dakota, and you're never going to have to go outside. You're going to play 12 home games a year because we never have to leave Fargo for the playoffs, and we're going to churn. It doesn't matter if you don't even win the Buck Buchanan Award or get any individual accolades. You're still getting drafted. So they have the ultimate formula. And so uh, that's that's the whole thing is, like, they don't have to run anything to, to, to win. So because of that, though, it makes it very simple in terms of what's going to happen on Saturday. They will have somebody for Tommy Malott in the plus, plus one run game. They will have somebody for Isaiah Fonse. Those guys are not going to get loose, period. It ain't happening. So it's going to come down to two factors. One, can Tommy Malott make back shoulder throws like he has all playoffs long? Because that's the one deficiency of North Dakota's de- North Dakota State's defense. How did, how did Brady Gustafson's Montana team beat North Dakota State? Straight up back shoulder phase to Ellis Henderson and Jamal Jones. That's it. That's it. That's all. Beat the cover two over the top. That's the number one factor for the Cats. But number two is, do they have an ace up their sleeve? What's the secret weapon offensively? I'm not trying to speculate anything. I'm purely speaking from my heart right now. I will be incredibly disappointed if Brent Vegan and Taylor House or Tori Anderson doesn't touch the ball 
offensively on Saturday. And I think that's what it comes down to. Do you have a back shoulder? Do you have, do you have back shoulder throws in your arsenal, or can you figure out six to eight touches for the best offensive player you have, who happens to be the defensive player of the year in the league? Gosh, man. See, I was thinking There's a debate going. Say, uh, the tight ends, uh, the trading pickerings, or uh, Davis would be the the secret sauce, but you went full Troy Anderson on us. Call darn. I mean, I'm going to be so sad if Troy Anderson plays his last year of college football without getting an offensive touch. How's that going to happen? They have to give him something. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I can't even argue with that. That would be some. I, I, I'd be okay with it as long as it's not in a desperation mode, kind of like it was in Cat Grizz. I was kind of disappointed I, I got, to see it roll out like that. I got a, I got a stat for you. I, I believe this is true. You might want to stat check me, but I'm pretty sure this is true. We have no researchers. You're fine. I'm 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 pretty sure I'm pretty sure over the last uh, well first of all I know over the last uh, during this NDSU run since their first national championship in 2011 when Brent Vegan was the offensive coordinator there they've won eight out of nine national championships they're eight no in Frisco mm-hmm. they've only lost twelve games since 2011 that's it twelve games total five of those games have been to South Coast State who Montana State oh by the way just beat right. But I also, I'm pretty sure that there's only been three guys to rush for more than 100 yards against North Dakota State in that span. I'm pretty sure it's Zach Zenner from South Dakota State who went on to play for the Detroit Lions. James Robinson from Illinois State who is currently the starting running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Troy Anderson when he's a sophomore quarterback in 2018 in a game that Montana State lost 52-10. But in that game... Pierre Strong. Maybe Pierre, Pierre Strong, Strong yeah, had a hundred. Yeah, he had a hundred and fifty-six yards. Um, this this last his, year, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he had a he had a, well, a lot a lot of that on one run from like the second well, the, or third hey, uh, hey, play hey, of the hey, game. That that that's a great part of the sample size too, because that dude's getting drafted in the top three rounds too. I mean, he declared for the draft early, and he's going to get picked for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, but anyways, th- I mean, the point is like Chris Kleiman still talks about Troy Anderson. Like Matt Ince talked about him too, and they talked about him through the lens of a quarterback or a runner. You know, like that game when they lost 20, 52 to 10 in 2018, Trainers still had 130 yards in that game. He had one of his 50 yard touchdowns in that game. So I don't know, man. I, I just think it's, it's from a selfish point of view, from a spectac- spectacle and spectator point of view, I want to see Troy Anderson get that ball one more time. Well, it's definitively his last game. So. We're going to go the old water boy, Dan Fouts. Can't hold anything back on this this game here. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Like, I would be a little disappointed if we didn't see it. I'd, I don't know. What do you think, Foley? Would you like to see Troy Anderson get a carry or a, a touch? Yeah, like, you, like you said, if, if it's not out of desperation, if it's part of the, the game plan, I mean, obviously when Troy Anderson's coming in, everybody's going to be like, that's Troy Anderson back there. Like he's getting the ball, so I don't know how you disguise it or does he play in lieu play of a quarterback? Does he? You play him at quarterback the very first snap of the game. There you go. Ooh, God, that, I hope that, that initial I gotta script. Hope I like that. Ends, I hope Matt Ends doesn't listen to this shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he might not, but he is <laughs> no, he <won't>. graduate <laughs> graduate assistant. Mike, <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's got shit. some sort of analyst down there listening to this. I love it. So. I love it. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for this show here. Um, why don't you? Everyone has a nobody here, but uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell everyone where week or where they can listen to you and find your content yeah hell yeah this, well this was first of all this was yes. awesome guys i Sorry, appreciate you having me and i i loved uh, i love doing it with you and uh 
little R and R and Big Sky Breakdown is uh, something something that has to happen in the future as well. I got lots of things to run by you guys during the off season. We're always but, game. Absolutely. In the meantime, though, you can uh, you know I was listening to Juana's now my daily radio show uh, live from four to six Montana time. Uh, you can stream it if you're if you're in Western Montana. It's one hundred two point nine FM, uh, ESPN Radio. And uh, if if you're out of the Western Montana area, you can always stream it. I think that's like the main way. It's crazy. Like everybody listens to all this stuff digitally now, which is awesome. That's what I do. That's right. So one hundred two nine ESPN dot com. You can always stream it, or you can always find the Nuanas Now podcast, all your podcast hosting platforms. N U A N E Z. Uh, or if you want to. See me on the YouTube or the TV. If you're in Montana, you can watch me on SWX Montana TV live from four to six every uh, every Monday through Friday, or on YouTube. This Nuana is now same thing. So there's all sorts of ways to consume it. But also SkylineSportsMT.com. We have a lot of cross promotion with our ESPN Radio deal there, and also the Big Sky Breakdown exclusively. Uh, recording the Big Sky Breakdown this week uh, with both Ty Gregorak, former Montana State defensive coordinator, as well as. Uh, Mike Kramer for Montana State head coach. So that'll be fun. Sam Herder is also going to jump on from Eagles Sports. So, so that'll be fun. So SkylineSportsMT.com. You can always find uh, all the multimedia stuff. And then we also have a bunch of cool features. Uh, Andrew Houghton, one of our writers of Skyline Sports, is is working on a feature about the, the arc of, of the last two years. From the moment Montana State lost 49-14 to Fargo, North Dakota, back in December of 2019 till now, and everything that, that happened in between from you know, that loss to COVID to, uh, you know, Jeff Choate leaving to Troy Anderson's injury saga at Daniel Hardy's position <laughs> switch and, and, and everything in between. Wow. That's the Andrews feature for the week. And I got a good feature up there right now from Tom Stuber uh, about Brent Vegan and his connections to North Coast State. Tom also has a, a feature coming up about the sort of dichotomy between the advantages and disadvantages of the buy, you know, on one hand, MSU could get Afonso and Chase Benson and Tom kind of back, but on the other hand, could Tommy Watts stay hot? So Tom's got a story on that, and then I got my story about just the uh, the legacy of Butte, Montana, and the mining city, and then how it's influenced uh, the Bobcats and uh, the Tommy Watts and, and his moment in time at this exact moment as well. And then also have a, a little quick hitter as well as sort of a bonus story about Lance McCutcheon and just just where this, uh, this single season ranks in, in Montana State history. So you can find all that stuff as well, uh, skylinesportsmt.com. So uh, you guys are doing great work, man, and I appreciate you guys having me. And it's uh, it's awesome to talk to all your listeners and uh, be a part of this thing. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And it was a really good collaboration. I'm glad we reached out. I'm glad you agreed to come on. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to our podcast, if you're a listener of our podcast and somehow you haven't listened to Coulter or read any of Coulter's content, please, please go do that. Um, but as for us, you can always find us on Twitter, rrcatcast. That's our Twitter handle. You can always find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. We have an email, rrcatcast at gmail.com. You can always email us email us there, but I think Twitter is probably the best bet to reach out to us. But, you know, fully, let's get out of here with the, with the Go Cats. I don't know if Coulter will do that, but we'll, we'll do our typical ending <laughs> of uh, Go Cats here. Go Cats. Go Cats. Hey, man, like, like, I, like I said on my uh... – my show before I went into the holiday break and, and coming out of it for the new year. I, I think that the world we live in and everything we've gone through the last couple of years, there's been a, there's a lot of challenges and uh, a lot of loopholes and it's divided us a lot. And there's been a lot of negativity. And uh, so I would just encourage 
anybody and everybody. I think that every person that could possibly listen to this podcast has some sort of connection to the state of Montana. And I think that anybody that follows my stuff definitely has a, a connection to the state of Montana. And so there's an element of nuance that can exist here. And it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are, or what if you're a Bobcat or a Grizz or whatever, man, like w- what is playing out is a spectacular story that is absolutely going to resonate throughout the history of, of sports in Montana uh, forever. Uh, people will never forget this, this moment in time and the characters that existed within this story. And so I would just encourage everybody to enjoy it. I don't know if you, I don't care if you're a Bobcat fan or a Grizz fan, the cats win or lose on Saturday all that stuff. Like this is, this is one of the great sports stories that has played out in, in the state of Montana. And so I hope that everybody can at least see the positive in that, or at least enjoy that element of it right now. Cause it, you know, it still is the holiday season. So I hope everybody can find some sort of positivity and enjoyment and, and, uh, and fulfillment in, in what's happened over these last couple of months. And uh, what might happen on Saturday. Absolutely. Those are wise words. Soak it up. Enjoy the ride. And, uh, you know, thanks again, Coulter, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now, Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice.